Zechariah chapter number 2. I want to talk to you tonight about expanding your faith. Expanding your faith. One of my favorite stories about faith is about a, a lady who sent a letter to uh, J. Vernon McGee. If you've ever listened to him on the radio, he's uh, going to be with the Lord now. But he uh, tells the story about a lady who sent him a letter. And in the letter she said, uh, Dear Dr. McGee, uh, my preacher says that uh, if you have enough faith, that, that if I had more faith, that I wouldn't, I wouldn't need uh, this cane to get around with. You know, if I just had enough faith to pray that the Lord would heal me and I wouldn't need this cane. He said, well, I'll tell you what you do. You take your cane and you go up to that preacher and you knock him on the head as hard as you can. And you tell him that if you had enough faith, that wouldn't hurt. Most of us probably wish we had more faith. You probably heard people or know people that have a very strong faith in God. They never seem to worry about their bills or the future or their kids. Uh, they never question God's ways or doubt his promises. Uh, they'll tell you that answers to prayer for them are just as uh, come just as regular as uh, the morning mail. You ever wish, you know, I wish I had more faith. I wish I had that kind of faith. And I'm wondering, you know, when you read the Gospels in Luke chapter 17 in verse 5, the disciples come to Jesus and they say, increase our faith. You remember what he told them? He said, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you can say to this mulberry tree, be pulled up by the roots and be planted in the sea, and it would obey you. Now, Jesus isn't trying to give us some lessons on how to move trees around. And I'm not sure he's so much giving them as a rebuke, but as a challenge. Use your faith. The more you use your faith, the more you trust in God, the stronger it becomes. It's kind of like a muscle that grows with use. The more you use muscles, the stronger they become, more solid. That's why you see these guys with these huge biceps. The more you use it, the more it grows. So I, I'm not sure we need more faith. What we need to do is expand our faith. And that's what we're going to talk about tonight. Expanding your faith. Our text is Zechariah chapter 2. Would you please stand, please, as we read the Word of God? Hear what the Spirit would say to us tonight. Zechariah chapter 2 says this, Then I raised my eyes and looked. And behold, a man with a measuring line in his hand. So I said, where are you going? And he said to me, to measure Jerusalem, to see what it is its width and what is its length. And there was the angel who talked with me going out. And another angel was coming out to meet him who said to him, run, speak to this young man saying, Jerusalem shall be inhabited as towns without walls because of the multitude of men and livestock in it. For I, says the Lord, will be a wall of fire all around her, and I will be the glory in her midst. Up, up, flee from the land of the north, says the Lord. 
For I have spread you abroad like the four winds of heaven, says the Lord. Up, Zion, escape you who dwell with the daughter of Babylon. For thus says the Lord of hosts, He sent me after glory to the nations which plunder you. For he who touches you touches the apple of his eye. For surely I will shake my hand against them, and they shall become spoil for their servants. Then you will know that the Lord of hosts has sent me. Sing and rejoice, O daughter of Zion. For behold, I am coming, and I will dwell in your midst, says the Lord. Many nations shall be joined to the Lord in that day, and they shall become my people. And I will dwell in your midst, and then you will know that the Lord of hosts has sent me to you. And the Lord will take possession of Judah as his inheritance in the holy land, and will again choose Jerusalem. Be silent, all flesh, before the Lord, for he is aroused from his holy habitation. Let's pray. Lord, none of us in here really know how important faith is in our relationship with you. I know you tell us. I know you show us. But we are so forgetful sometimes. And most of us do not use all of the faith we have. We don't, we don't trust you to the extent that we would see you do wonderful and mighty things. And I just pray tonight, Lord, that you'll help us to grow a little tonight to grow in our faith. Lord, the word says, faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. And as we listen to the word of God tonight, I pray that our faith would grow, not faith to get what we want, but faith to get what you want. Faith to trust you to work in our lives and to work through us and to work in this world. Lord, we love you tonight. We thank you. We do trust you. Help us trust you more. We pray this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. You may be seated. The prophet Zechariah is one of those minor prophets that you don't hear a lot about. He preached around, uh, or this message, or these messages, he preached somewhere around 520 B.C., uh, not long after the Jews returned from exile. Uh, if you remember, God sent Israel into exile for their sins, but he promised them that I will bring you back. I will reestablish you. We rebuild Jerusalem. But they come back to a city in ruins, a temple that is no more than a pile of rubble. For seven decades, imagine this, seven decades, nobody has been there. Nobody has touched any of those stones that are lying on the ground. And God calls them now from hundreds of miles away. And he says, it's time to begin rebuilding. They're going to rebuild. They're going to need a lot of encouragement. They're going to need a lot of expanding of their faith. And so Zechariah in this chapter reveals how that happens to them, but it also revealed, he also reveals how it happens to you and I. And to begin with, he tells us that expanding your faith means that you must trust God's limitless power. You must trust God's limitless power. A.B. Simpson once said, Our God has boundless resources. The only limit is in us. Our asking, our thinking, our praying are too small. Our expectations are too limited. It is almost impossible for your faith to expand beyond your expectations. What do you expect from God when you pray? 
What do you expect from God as far as his blessing on your life? What do we expect him to be doing in our church? Now, I will tell you, God can overrule our doubts. He can overrule our unbelief, but that's not his normal way of operating. Take, for instance, this rebuilding project. It's a big job. It's actually too big. There's only a small crowd of workers that are here in Jerusalem at this time and very, very few resources. They don't even have houses to live in. They have to build them little shacks and lean-tos to put their family in. They're surrounded by enemies that are always ready to attack. And I can imagine somebody that's in that condition saying, Lord, I just don't see this happening. I just can't see how in the world we're going to rebuild well, everything that's been destroyed. Zechariah sees it happening, though. In fact, in chapter 2 and verse 1, he sees it as already happening. Look in verse 1. Then I raised my eyes and looked, and behold, a man with a measuring line in his hand. Now, the measuring line here is a surveyor's tool. It would have been a rope or a cord that was knotted at intervals uh, around 17 and a half inches, uh, supposed to be the distance from the tip of your finger to your elbow. That was considered a cubit. He sees this guy with a measuring line. He says, where are you going? Where are you taking that measuring line? In verse 2, he says, to measure Jerusalem, to see what is its width and what is its length. Now listen, that wouldn't take long because there are no walls. There's no way to measure it. It's like it's one big pile of rocks. There's no, no measuring the city there. But in verse 3, one, he, Zechariah overhears one angel speak to another. He says, speak to this young man saying, Jerusalem shall be inhabited as towns without walls because of the multitude of men and livestock in it. For I, says the Lord, will be a wall of fire all around her. I will be the glory in her midst. Now, at this point, there are no walls in the city. At this point, They've all been torn down. At this point, there's only a few people. God says, I want to expand your faith. I want to expand your vision. I want you to see this entire city so full that walls can't contain the population. I want you to see this city not as a vulnerable to attack. I want you to see it a place where I'll be a wall of fire around it. I'll be the glory in your midst. Zechariah's preaching this message and these guys are looking around saying, I, I don't see it. I don't see it. No booming population. All I see are stones covered with grass. They do not see what Zechariah sees and they never will until their faith expands. Until they believe the words that the angel spoke to Mary. For with God, nothing, nothing shall be impossible. The Bible reveals us a history of what God has done. I cannot tell you about what God will do. I can tell you he will do what's wisest. I can tell you he'll do what's best, but I can't give you details. But I can tell you what God can do. I can tell you what God can do. God can do anything he wants to do. And if you believe that, that will change the way you think. 
Instead of seeing just what you see, you'll be able to see the possibilities. That'll change the way you pray. You and I ought to be praying bold prayers. We ought to be praying big prayers, not timid prayers. It will challenge the way you live. If you believe that God can do anything, then you have a confidence in him that what he says is going to happen, what he has promised he will do. Nothing is impossible with God. I wonder, do you believe that? Now, I know if I went around, I said, do you believe that? Do you believe that? Yes, Brother Mike, I believe that. Do you pray that way? you pray that way when you're facing a hopeless situation? You ever look at a situation and maybe you don't say it out loud, but you're thinking, even God can't do anything. Even God can't do anything. There's maybe some impossibilities in your life right now. Maybe loving your neighbor seems like an impossibility. Maybe forgiving your enemy seems like an impossibility. Maybe the healing in your marriage seems like an impossibility. Maybe the prodigal son or daughter coming home seems like an impossibility. And it is impossible. It is impossible for you. It is not impossible for God. And we need to start looking at our situation from God's point of view. God's point of view is that he can do anything. And when I pray, there's nothing I can ask him say, to say, well, that must be too hard for you because nothing is. Expanding your faith is when you realize with God, nothing is impossible. The second way you expand your faith is in verse 6 through 9. You expand your faith by trusting the Lord's leading. Trusting the Lord's leading. Have you ever noticed in the Gospels that when God or when Jesus is uh, healing somebody, when Jesus is meeting one of their needs, have you ever noticed how often he tells them, first, I want you to go do something? Um Got a crippled man here. He's going to heal the crippled man, going to fix his legs where he'll be able to stand. What does he tell him? He doesn't just say you're healed. He says, take up your mat. Take up your mat and go home. Before that man ever knows he can walk, he's got to start to try to stand, right? When there's a blind man there, he doesn't just touch his eyes and say you're healed. He said, I want you to go to the pool of Siloam, wash off the mud. Well, he's got to do something. Go show yourself to the priest. Often, Jesus connects faith with obedience. Charles Spurgeon said, faith and obedience are bound up in the same bundle. He that obeys God trusts God. Listen, he that obeys God trusts God, and he that trusts God obeys God. You want to expand your faith, you have to put feet to it. You have to trust him enough to let him lead you. And when you get to verse 6, Zechariah is no longer talking to the exiles in Jerusalem. He's talking to the people that are still in Babylon. He's got a message for them. And if you were to summarize that message in three words, this is it. Hurry back home. Hurry back home. That might not be a welcome invitation. 
These guys have been here for 70 years. Now, if you're somewhere for 70 years, you're going to make the best of whatever situation you're in. You're going to try to put some roots down. You're going to try to uh, build a house and make a comfortable living for you and your family. The end of 70 years, you're going to be pretty rooted somewhere. And here God says, flee. Why would they want to flee from the land in the north? Why would they want to leave home and return? Why would they want to leave, to their, to leave their new homes in this nice city and go back to the ruins of Jerusalem? Well, verse 8 tells us why. For thus says the Lord of hosts, He sent me after glory, for His glory, to the nations which plunder you. For He who touches you touches the apple of His eye. For surely I will shake my hand against them, and they shall become spoiled for their servants. Zechariah says, you're living in a land and on property that's condemned. It's scheduled for demolition. These Jews that are living in Babylon, they think, I'm safe here. I'm secure here. Everything will be fine if I just stay here. And God says it won't. Because I'm going to bring judgment on the people that, uh, that rained death on you. And if you want to survive, then you are going to have to do what? Hurry back home. You're going to have to come back to Jerusalem. Now, if they're living in that city and, and they see how tall the walls are and how strong the military is, there's no way Babylon's going to fall. I mean, they are a superpower, probably the superpower in those days. That would like be imagining that the United States would fall to an enemy. So when God's message comes, they have to decide, will I believe, will I trust God and follow his leading, or will I ignore it and be destroyed? Either expand your faith by following the Lord's lead or play it safe. And lose everything. It's the same decision you and I have to make. Do you stay where you're comfortable? Or do you move when God says move? God's working in your life. He says, uh, I want to do something different. I want to lead you in a different direction. I have something I want you to do. And you look at it and you say, I don't know about that, Lord. I don't know. I'm pretty comfortable where I'm at. You know, I, I've, uh, I've kind of put down some roots. It's not an easy decision to make. That's the hard part of following Jesus. It's the part, uh, the deny yourself and take up your cross part. What we forget is that the riskiest move is really the safest plan. These Jews who stay in Babylon are going to lose everything. It'll only be those that go back and help rebuild that will be blessed. Your faith expands according to your trust in God's leading. Now, I know some people would like to think that you get to a certain age and you don't take any more risks. You stop risking. You start, you start doing safe things. You want to make sure that you're you know, you don't go too 
too far out of the way. But I can tell you something, the Lord has never stopped with me. He has never stopped asking me to do things that scare me. He's never stopped asking me to do things that require risk. And I don't know about you, brothers and sisters, but he's asked me sometimes to do things that I didn't want to do. I didn't want to do them. And I had to make up my mind. Either I'm going to follow his leading or I'm going to ignore his leading. If I want his blessing, then I have to trust him enough to say, Lord, if that's the way you're leading, that's the way I'm going. I wonder if maybe right now that's where you're at. God is calling you to do something. And right now he's saying, I want you to let go of your doubts and let go of your fears. I want you to expand your faith. One last way you expand your faith is in verse 10 through 13. Rejoice in his limitless love. I got the wrong thing on the, on the PowerPoint back there. But it should be rejoice in his limitless love. Pastor and author Ray Stedman offers some advice on how to get up in the morning. And I, I think this is some good advice. I haven't always followed it, but it's some pretty good advice. He said, when you get up in the morning, you first you stretch. You stretch. Stretch to get your body going. He said, then you smile. Now, that's the hard part, right? <laughs> Especially before coffee. Smile. He said, that puts your soul in the right attitude. And then say out loud, God loves me. Because that puts your spirit right. Stretch, smile, and say, God loves me. That last part is extremely important. There is a connection between your faith and God's love for you. Look in verse 10. Sing and rejoice, O daughter of Zion, for behold, I am coming and dwelling in your midst. Verse 12 says, And the Lord will take possession of Judah as his inheritance in the Holy Land and will again choose Jerusalem. Everybody look up here. Seventy years before these words are spoken. Seventy years before Israel forsakes God. They do not worship God. They worship idols. They do not give justice to the poor. They oppress the poor. They practice perversions of all kinds. And 70 years before, God judges them for abandoning him. As I told you before, the Babylonian army tears down the walls of Jerusalem. They slaughter its people in the streets. They desecrate the temple and it looks like God has forsaken his people. But now, after all these years, it's time for the prodigal to come home. God says, I want you to return, and I will return to you. That relationship's going to be restored. They will once again sing his praises from the temple in Jerusalem. He will come back to make his dwelling there. They will again be the apple of his eye, his most precious treasure. 
Once again, they will love him. Listen, they will love him because he never stopped loving them. Here's how you expand your faith. Not by focusing on how much you love God, but focusing on how much God loves you. The more you understand God's love for you, the more you trust him. That's only natural. Some people have such a hard time trusting God, not because they lack some magical quality of faith. They just don't believe he loves them. Not as much as he says he does. How many of our doubts and fears and worries would dispel like a morning mist if you believe with all your heart that God really does love you? He loves you when nobody else does. Let me tell you what. He loves you when nobody else can. He loves you when everybody else gives up on you. He loves you so much that he wants you with him forever. It's one of the biggest reasons for our weak faith. We just do not believe that. We don't believe he loves us that much, but he does. What about when I have hard times? Well, he loves you even when he allows hard times. What about whenever he chastises me? Well, that's just another sign of his love. What about when I'm hurting and grieving and confused? Even in those times, he never stops loving you. What's true about God and the Jews is true about you. Jeremiah chapter 31. Lord has appeared of old to me saying, yes, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Young man had just left the church service where they had sang over and over again the song, Oh, I, oh, I love Jesus. It was one of those songs that just has a lot of verses. We don't usually sing all of them, but there are a lot of verses to that song. And they had sung every one of them. But as he was leaving the church service, his heart was pierced. He said, I've been singing so much about my poor love for Jesus. Wouldn't it be better? Or wouldn't it be at least as good if I sang a song that celebrates his love for me? And so Philip Bliss sat down and he wrote a song. I'm so glad that Jesus loves me. Jesus loves me. Jesus loves me. I'm so glad that Jesus loves me. Jesus loves even me. Don't ever let Satan, don't ever let your failures, don't ever let anybody else or anything else keep you from remembering that Jesus really does love you. And as you realize that, your faith in him will expand. There's a story of a wealthy woman. She had everything that money can buy, but she couldn't find any peace. And so she hears this about a poor woman in a faraway village. And this woman is known for her simple faith and seems to stay calm in the midst of many trials. So the rich lady goes and she said, I need to find out this woman's secret. So she rides out to the little village in her fancy carriage, pulls up to the poor woman's home. She introduces herself. 
She says, so you're the woman with the great faith that I've heard so much about. And the woman smiles and she said, no, I'm not the woman with the great faith. She says, I'm the woman with the little faith in a great God. That's how you expand your faith in a nutshell. Little faith, great God. Little faith that knows God's power is limitless, that believes that. Little faith that trusts God's leading even through difficult dark times. A leading, little faith that rejoices in God's limitless love. God wants to expand your faith tonight, not to make it bigger, but to make it better. Would you bow your heads with me?